Here's my favorite thing is you, you give me so much shit for bad shot calls, right? And now you've said it so many times to the point where I don't know if you're being serious or not. Because you always like pretend like you're kind of kidding, but there's always a half truth to everything you say, right? That's not true. Right? No. That's would, false. Would you say that's that? False. There's always a little bit of a half truth to everything Gavin says. Sure. No. That's not real. Mm. If I bust your chops, I'm generally just busting your chops. I didn't care that day because we still killed our limit. We still had a blast. Now, in the moment, I was like, what are you doing down there? That's 22 birds in the hole, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, yeah, I bust. Mm-hmm. There was no truth. I didn't care. We still shot the shit out of them and did good. Mm-hmm. No, my threshold is like six to eight. And here's what I've noticed over the many years of hunting and for some reason being the shot caller. I've never, I've never wanted to be the shot caller. That's not true. I get annoyed. I get annoyed by being the shot caller. It's usually because you've ended up in the center for me. Correct. Like if yeah. I suggest I'm you, it's always do- on an end. No, almost never always. with me. I- no, because I'm always on the end. I'm always on one end, and usually we put an inexperienced guy on the other end. No, this year you're in the middle, like most of the time. I think. Uh, I wait. can't. A lot of the time, I'm thinking. I can't back think to- of a time that you've really been on the end consistently. No, I think. I think the. The middle person should be the shot caller just because I'm, I almost feel like I'm always on the end because I almost always have a dog. It's when I'm hunting with you. Yeah, maybe just with me, we always run mine, yeah. Right. Well, I guess but, even, we, we have ran Riley a few times, and then I guess you are on an end, but the guy with the, on the end should have a dog. Right, right. Um, so my threshold is about six, six people, especially when you're tight, like in a panel blind. I know exactly where the birds are. But when you're spread out through, like, let's say two panel blinds and there's six people, it's harder because you either call bad shot because they're right in front of you or you call bad shot because you thought that they were in front of them. You can never center that many birds perfectly in front of everybody for every shot call. That's I hunted true. with a, you're 100% right. I hunted with a kid in Montana that said his idea is if, he, say he's, like in this instance, he sat far left and they came in from the right, he calls the shot when they're in front of the guys in the right, because when they go to escape, they're coming out his end. And I, I was that like, that's good. And, and yeah, and I was like, that's good timing. I mean, that's fair. It was right over our backs. But he goes, if they come out, he goes, by the time they go to flare out, I haven't outshot it. She goes, he goes, yeah, it's 30, 35. He goes, but the center guy's got 20. The right guy's got 10. He goes, I'm comfortable with my shooting. I'm comfortable with that. And I was like, I never looked at it that way. That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. It depends if they're coming straight at you, if they're coming from the side, yeah, you know, and timing it out so that you're calling it when they're on the left. If they're flying left to right, you want to call it when they're at the left side so that as they pull out through that section, then the people on the right can get a shot. Right. Dude, you know what I f- completely forgot? Bienvenidos a mi Let's Fly With Podcast. I am your host, Joey Basayo, and I have this guy, uh, I don't know how you say in your country, Cal Ness on my there right. It is, there it is. And then we have. <laughs> also the, on your right. The orneriest farm kid <laughs> yep. of them all, Gavin <laughs> Coley. <sighs> say what's up. Hell yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thank I've you. been noticing back, a, you're becoming a little bit of a family man. Hey, really quick. Going to your sister's gymnastics stuff. Carter, oh, can I've we get an intro? That. Yeah, but you're posting about it, which is crazy. I always post get, about get an it. intro, Carter. Oh, oh, <sighs> what happened? Damn it. What, what happened? What happened? But, but it what happened? No, quite it's, Carter. Carter's it's not no, here. It's no good. Oh, it's, it is no good. It's no good. No, it's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. No, 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 buddy, buddy. It's um, okay. it's okay. No, it's her senior year. It's senior night. Gavin just threw his microphone on, right. in protest. So there's a Chuck. You know how a Chuck works. 
nope, that was, I think you just loosened it, but, oh, there it is. You'd want to tighten it. Okay. Anyway. Uh, um, no, I've always posted and been there. You're talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's my sister's this podcast, gymnasium. Gavin, by the way, is brought to you by First Light, and you've been starting to wear some of the First Light stuff. Yeah. It's pretty lit. And very excited about the wool stuff that they have out the underlayers. I just had my rugged wool top and my pants in a bag from a, my last trip. Didn't unpack it. It's been a month. Open up the bag. Whew, just get smoked with B.O. nastiness. And I'm smelling which clothes are dirty or not. Smell all the clothing and it's gross. Smelled the wool. Don't smell. Not gross. Pretty slick. That's actually, that's very important for you. A big deal. Yeah, because yeah. you don't ever unpack or like properly well, put just, anything away. Organize, just, clean, clean. My schedule is so tight. Mm. I go from one thing to the next. Man, you're talking That's to two excuse. guys that have very tight schedules, and I find a way to clean up my shit. No, you just don't have children. Don't use that as an excuse. It's absolutely an excuse. What about when I have a kid and then I still do it, though? What will that? Well, you'll be a stay-at-home dad at that point, so it doesn't really count. Not true. <laughs> you know? Hold on, but. hold on, hold on. Isn't your wife stay-at-home wife? Yeah. Oh. So you definitely could find 10 minutes to put your shit away. Yeah. I f- hold on. I'm Maybe. we're gonna I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna, we're gonna unpack this. When we uh, I helped Cal clean out the out uh, the shed for you. The shed. The grain bin. Oh okay. You want to know what's funny? You know what I found in the weeds over there? What you find in the weeds? An avian decoy still in the plastic from your review. Oh. Four plus a, years ago. That was a dive bomb. No, it was, it was an no, avian. Bro, it, it was, was an, an avian. avian. An avian from your review that I when I met you you were doing. It was an avian. It was one of the six pack when it was like the like they did the preening pose. Okay. It was the preening hen in a bucking bag still. What's your point? You don't put anything away, even when you didn't have kids. <laughs> Just too bad. <laughs> oh God, I can't with this. Too bad. I, I love you, but God. Um, but no, back to that. No, it was my Trying sister's senior gymnastic thing. So like I put yeah. a little post out for it just for yep. that. Yeah. But yeah. It's tough. Good for you, man. Yeah. Pump for you. Good big brother. I try to be. Yeah. She competes like I do. So she, she cussed a team out for angry. everybody. She competes angry. Oh, yeah, she competes angry. That's an angry child. Oh, no. Literally. So she, we'll, we'll skip over this quick, but I'll make it fast because you both will laugh at this because you both know me well enough to know that th- like this is me and in, in another person. There's going to be a lot of people listening to this, just so you know. This is this is oh, that's your fine. blood relation. That's is what you're okay. saying. She, this she, is how you well, know oh, that she's yeah. related. Yeah, to yeah 100%. Okay. So she does bad on her beam routine. She walks out of the gym. They go to like switch for sections. Then they oh, like the whole team leaves the gym. They go to switch events. I walk out there to grab a pop and she comes running at me and she runs into my chest for a hug and she just screams the F bomb at full volume Nice. and then looks at me and goes, I can't believe I fucking did that. And I was like, yeah, there's mind you like 10 parents, a couple coaches, like one of the judges standing there and everyone's just looking at us. And I was like. This is for bad, sure bad a kids, sibling dude. moment. For sure a sibling moment. Though I, I have done this very thing, so I can, I can I can get this. You know, this is a really good question based on that. It has nothing to do with Waterfell. But mm. um, you guys hear that speech by Gary V about swearing? No. And no. And how he raises his kids? No. He's like, I don't care if my kids swear. He goes, it's just a fucking word. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, it's how you use the word. So now if you go up to someone and you say, fuck you, bad. Mm-hmm. He goes, but saying the word fuck, not bad. He goes, it's all in the context of the word. He goes, so if you call someone a bitch, bad. But if you say son of a bitch in conversation, it's not bad. Ass shit, all these words, it's not bad. And I, <gasps> it made me think a lot about it because um, 
I'm a Christian, and the Bible says don't use crass language, right? And words on, on their own aren't crass. It's how you present it to make it crass. And so, like, with your sister going up and being, like, so confident in herself, all she doesn't care what anybody else thinks, she's having a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I don't care. I support it fully for that. Now, I don't know if I'm going to... I, I cuss a ton, and I should probably cuss a lot less. I think we all should. Yeah. I'm a, I'm we've a, been told on the podcast not to cuss as much. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. I got a problem. But I grew up around a man that cussed in front of me since birth. Oh. So. Have you met my father? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, pop, met- pop, pop's no better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you met Papa? Yeah, right. Rob is really no better. <laughs> I can't talk to Rob for more than 10 minutes without some curse words and a political discussion. <laughs> Love that man, though. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I didn't care. I just laughed because, like, so one of her teammates is a younger sister, also of a teammate of mine. So his mom is standing there, and she looks at me, and she goes, Nice. No, it didn't say nice. She goes, that's she competes like you did. And I was like, yeah, I'm aware. Like oh, that, she said she competes. Oh, like she did. She goes, I have never seen a kid that competes so much like a sibling. She's like, Tyler and his sister are night and day different. She goes, you two are the same. Like, I didn't want to be comforted if I did bad. I didn't want you to talk to me. Like, don't come up and say it's okay. Like, right. I, I will handle that in my own head, in my own way. time. And I would overanalyze she, what I did, what I could have done better. And I was pissed. Yeah, like, and it, it bothers her. Like, she, she takes it to heart. And she it's more she feels she let the team down. And that for her is hard. Mm-hmm. And like she I did. did. I've and been, she did. Yeah. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> let's, not, let's not shit on a senior like that, man. Jesus. Well, she's a senior. She can handle it. Yeah. She's a grown woman. And t- until, until, it's, until you walk in the gym the next day after sections and you're done, done. She definitely called, standing at the door. She's like, I'm standing at the door to the gym and I don't know what to do. And I was like, you just embrace it. She's like, what did do you Did you mean? compete at a higher level in sports? I did not compete in college, no. Well, I'm saying like- Varsity? Uh, yeah, like varsity, mm-hmm. like from a young age, or mm-hmm. like you were a decorated mm-hmm. player of some sort, mm-hmm. you know, where people looked at you, you did traveling. Yeah, oh yeah, I traveled with baseball for years. Yeah, no. But like, you just, you embrace that. Embrace that feeling. Because I don't know, I don't know how what else to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's like a way to get over it. I don't think there's a way to like look by it. You've been doing it 10 plus years. Like, stand at the door, embrace it, support the teammates, go to state, and move on. Be a good captain. Right. So did you play um, any sports after high school, or are you just done? I played softball, uh, fast pitch, modified, and slow pitch competitively for a couple of years, and then I dog trained. But I'd always dog did you Did you feel like um, after high school that you understood the game a lot better? Like you got mm. better at it almost? No. no. From a mental perspective, you mean? Yeah. Like, a, like yeah. do you mean like being able to mentally take like like a, like a, like a bad game better? Or no, no, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. So I like, don't follow. Explain. I, I'll explain. I'll explain it the way I think about it now, which I think you'll understand for sure. Like now, you know, having played in college with football at least, right, and like watching being watching football now. If I, if I understood the ins and outs of some of the different schematic pieces of football, oh. like I understand them now. I would have been a far better player when I was younger. And, like, for me, the way I've realized that and thought about it is, like, if I have a son or even, like, you know, if my daughter wants to be a great athlete and she's obsessed with something, I know far more now about, like, what it takes, how to train your body, like, understanding, like, you know, the benefits that you have if you do these certain things in being good at a sport 
way more than I understood when I was, you know, a 17-year-old well, kid. And the reason why I ask is I was, like, hardcore field fairy. Like, big soccer player. Yeah. Like, intense about it. And uh, and then I stopped. We we lost a game, and I got so pissed, and that's when I started uh, smoking cigs and just destroying my body, you know? Because I was so clean up until that point, and I'm like, I just put all this effort and work into this game to just be done at 17. I'm not going to college. Fuck this. And I started smoking cigs shortly after high school and all that stuff. And then I go and start playing intramural league uh, co-ed with my sister-in-law. And I'm like, yeah, I'll play soccer. The first game, I was just like, <gasps> you know, sucking hind teeth. And it was just dying. awful. Dying. Dying. I was dying. Yeah. Second game, didn't need a sub. It was so weird. Like, I was totally normal. My get body, back in it. My body remembered it. Like, it remembered oh. how to breathe. It remembered when to push myself. But what I thought was really interesting is I understood the game so much more. Like, my brain just understood where to pass, where to kick the ball way better than when I was in I think school. so. So, I like, think- in football, I 100% agree with Cal. Like, in football, I understand the game way better. And I could have been a way better, like... I played outside linebacker and then strong safety because we did a like, kind of a drop down where we'd run three linebackers and drop a strong safety back, and I played that. I understand that game way more. Baseball, for me, not so much. I think I could have been a much better – I would have been a much better hitter. But, like, the overall game, there's there's things to it, but for the most part, like, I understood the game and the goal. Yeah. Football, though, 100%. Like, I look at a game now and be like – Oh, I would, I could like, you could catch that read so much better. And like, there are so many little things I didn't do. Like the, like the workouts now that kids are doing, like my little brother plays hockey and like, there are kids he plays with that go to like dry land and do nothing but plyometric workouts four days a week. Mm -hmm. And those kids, like my ankles are paper mache. If I catch a base, like when I was running base, if I caught a base wrong, my ankles are junk from sports. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, my ankles are trash, though. My ankles are bad. I got a bad knee from football. Like, my ankles are bad. My little brother's got kids that'll do shit. Like, they'll do box jumps with 60-pound vests on. And I'm just like, dude, as a senior, as a freshman in high school, I could not have done a 36-inch box jump with a vest on. No way. Like, I wouldn't have done it. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, a 60-pound vest to a 36-inch jump? Do you know how hard that is? Well, I just... I mean, I from calisthenics I can, boy, I can guarantee you, you ain't doing it. Well, you said thirty, and then you bumped it up to sixty. No, it depends on like the vest, but again, it depends on the kid. Well, too. if you if you start low and then work your way up, but even three then, feet is. But you gotta think some of these kids like so. How how big were you in high school? I was small. Yeah, I was small. My point now, like, I'm almost two hundred pounds and six foot. I was one fifty seven in high school. From the day I walked in, to the day I graduated, I gained two pounds. Yeah, I think I graduated at like one fifty. Yeah, like I don't know what. Cal's probably can't relate. Yeah, Cal's Cal's bigger boy. Yeah, I, Cal's I graduated at, at two fifty nine. That old line, that old line got you. You you and Tommy, you feel dude, that? Yeah, I was like two sixty. Yeah, dude, what did we uh, we called his gut the out? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. out, the out, and then his Concrete. ass was literally <laughs> like you couldn't tell where his ass stopped yeah. and Looks his like back just, started. <clears throat> I'm gonna give you a compliment. Awesome. Yeah, I, you just built like Jason Kelsey, all up front, no ass. Yeah, I definitely, I still have no ass. Yeah. <laughs> I just do glute guy. workouts for fucking years. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot live without a belt. Like, if I don't have a belt, dude, <laughs> if I don't have a belt, I would rather have no shoestring. Mm. Oh, that's, I'm the that's same my way. Life. I have yeah. no ass. I'd rather, I'd rather wear no shoes 
than have to try to go a day without a yeah. belt. I work out with a buddy who's like big into powerlifting. And like he'll make fun of me because I'll do a squat and he goes, "Man, if you had just had more ass, you could have gotten that." Yeah, I was like, "For sure, fuck off, dude. I don't have one. Leave me alone." Yeah. <laughs> like, but uh, going back to my point, I went and helped my old high school soccer team with Connor this year, and my job was to shoot on the goaltenders. And you still got that magic foot. I got both feet, which is kind of wild. I was a little ambi, but um, it was so weird when I was in high school. I had like almost like tunnel vision where I was so focused, and now as I've gotten older, I don't take it as seriously, obviously, because I'm not in it every day, but it allows me to have more creative freedom, and so there was so many times where I was shooting on the goalie, and I saw him out too far, so I just popped it right over his head, whereas before, I'd be like, I have to put it in that bottom right-hand corner, I put I it in drill this it. corner, I gotta drill it, it's like, you don't need to drill the ball. No. You just need to put it in the right spot. You get caught up in the moment, which I think is a big maturity thing with age. And well, my, my coach gave me so much shit. Laird, here's, here's Laird the thing, was man. like, where was this when you were in high school? And I'm Dude, like, I just understand about it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think what I was going to say about this is like, <clears throat> when you're in high school, dude, your attention is on everything else, man. You know, like from a focus perspective, bro, you're thinking about girls, you're thinking about school, you're thinking about prom, the pep rat, like whatever the hell it is, dude, getting drunk with your buddies, you know, doing something stupid Friday night, whatever it is, man, like your mind is everywhere else. You rely a lot on your God given ability to be good at a sport when you're in high school. And because of the way you're trained, you're taught from a young age to do it the way your coach teaches you to do it. And what that does is it takes away creative freedom. And think about like as you grow in your life and you get older and you realize that adults are just full of shit. And then as you get older and you see that more and more, you start to realize you're like, no, there's no fucking rules to this, bro. There's no rules to life. Like I can live and do whatever I think is best as long as I'm doing it in the name of the greater good. In the name of love. Whatever. Yeah, whatever you choose it. But like the creative part, I agree with. When you go back to shoot on goal, dude, you're like, there's no rules as to where I have to put the fucking ball. I don't I give a shit. I can just rely on me having fun and doing whatever and see what I can do with it. Yeah, that's my an interesting. That's an interesting take. Thousand times better than it a ever. A buddy was. of mine who played golf at Bethel, uh, Chase. I think you've hunted with him. I don't think Joey's met him. He played golf and hockey all growing up. Uh, outstanding golf player. I mean, he shoots like way, way better than me and most guys I've shot with. Sure. But like if Chase, college golf, he's probably a scratch golfer. Yeah, but Chase is like, I look at the game different from high school golf to now, and I go, what do you mean? He goes, in high school, I looked at, I need to hit the ball as hard and far as possible. Mm-hmm. He goes, but in college, my coach is like, just hit it straight and hit it down the fairway. He goes, you've already got the swing. He goes, just don't screw up. He goes, so now over the course of it, you're going, everyone else is going to try and crank the ball. He goes, I already hit the ball hard. I don't need to think about that. He goes, I just need to think about hitting it straight down the fairway. Put it where I want. Put it where I want. He goes, now at the end, you might have hit it farther than me a few times, but I'm six less strokes because I didn't make any mistakes. He goes, so I started thinking of the game different. I was like, oh, that's a good way to put it. One thing that I think about a lot too, like playing football, and I was an offensive lineman. so (sighs) Down in the the trenches. Being a center, like I remember vividly being tunnel vision like you're talking about on getting to the linebacker or like getting to the guy I had to block. Mm -hmm. And... As I got older and like further into college, I started to realize that I was going to get to the fucking guy, but like focusing on when you get to the guy, what's your initial contact like, you know, like, are you just walling this guy off and and making a hole or are you going to fucking hit the guy? Me big. 
You know what I mean? You smaller. And like, yeah, a lot of guys don't think about that. But like when a, when a D lineman comes off the ball and all you're worried about is just being in front of him, you're not making that big of an impact. Nope. You know, if you're able to just know you're going to be in front of him and then hit him really fucking hard, you know? Immediately, like, set the fucking tempo, yep. set the pace, get angles. Like, that's that's oh. where great O-linemen play. So, it's it's that same thing, man. Just like you said, like, you're, you're now seeing the game. You're not seeing it like you had tunnel vision anymore where you're like, I have to do what I was taught to do. Go low right. You're like, I don't give a fuck what I do. I just have to I'm score. pop it over this guy. Yeah, I just got to score. Yeah. yeah. it's yeah. it. I noticed that in football, but not in baseball. But baseball was pretty. So, how do you get a kid to realize that early? I think it takes the right parents. Because, like, my sister is, like, my sister will come into gymnastics practice and be like, hey, I'm going to try this, this, and this. I've been watching these videos and practicing at home. This is what I want to try. And her coach is like, I think that's a bold move, but all right, let's do it. And she'll incorporate it into her routines and go after it. Versus, like, a lot of coaches I had be like, nope, we're sticking to the basics. We're sticking to the drills. You got to have this down. I think it's a lot on, like, the parents. Because, like, my dad was always like, you got to listen to the coach. Do what the coach says. Coach will get you there. I had a lot of coaches growing up that weren't. My, Very good. They were a volunteer dad that was trying, and I respect the shit out of that. But, like, I probably could have done, like, I remember in Little League, like, pitching, like, one-day breaks. So I'd throw a game, I'd have a day off, and I'd throw another full game. I can, like, lift my elbow and move it, and I can feel everything move around and pop inside. And I'm not saying that's all from then, but it's definitely didn't help my development. Throwing too much, not taking the right rest, not doing the right mechanics. And that's just coaching and parenting. I think a lot of that is like who you have around you in that. I think. Yeah. Well, anyway, Gavin, I'm going to bring up another sponsor here. Oh, go ahead. That sponsor is Soundgear. And let me tell you. Love them. It is so freaking necessary, dude. I've had so many people message me in the off season saying they're ready to pull the trigger. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth 1600 bucks? And it's like, yes. First of all, here's my discount code. It's on the screen. And then second of all, like, you have no idea how annoying it is for my wife to go, and I'm like, what? 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 Oh, dude. I'm so sick of saying what, and I'm only 30. And then Aziza took one of my sound gears, so I couldn't wear it on a couple trips. Like, she just hid it in the house. I'm like, oh, you little. <laughs> See, if you put your shit away, that wouldn't happen. No, I I put it on my nightstand, because I will listen to a podcast as I'm falling asleep, and then it'll take it out You'll in the middle You'll put your sound gears? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I've never used them for that. Yeah, huh. I use them around the house. I use them, like, all the time. Oh, I use them for other stuff. I've never listened to a podcast anymore. And I'm so what I was saying was I'm on these trips, and it's like, it doesn't make sense if we're one sound gear. And let me tell you, calling, shooting, just the calling alone, how much to the dome that I've taken of that and then not wearing them was like, whoa. Like, I was, like, kind of, like, grinding my teeth. Dude, really I'm hurt. cringe. I've been, Cal, religi- I've been religious cringe. about it all year. Cal's been... uh working on his duck calling a lot and he's gotten a lot louder and when we were in idaho dude it's like i'm like oh my god dude i had to like move away from cal yeah welcome to my life with it you hurts the last so three years. bad yes i'm with sorry your goose calling in the a-frame <laughs> bra, bra, bra. i'm like hey man um i love you but shut the fuck up i really want to shoot those geese also i would like to hear for the yeah rest of i would life. like to like now if someone talks to me like if there's wind like if i'm at a client meeting and there's wind outside and someone's talking to me i'm like what I have to turn. Yeah, but now you have sound gear, so no excuse. No, I wear them. This year's the I've had them three years. I've worn them quite a bit the last two, but this year I wore them religiously. Yeah. I didn't miss a hunt. And honestly, a night and day difference for me. Less headaches, less ringing. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it more comfortable. So we have an ornery farm kid who says, 
get sound gear, get, guys. Spend the get money. Sound gear, save your hearing. It is so worth it. What I really wanted to talk about with Gavin yeah. is oh, Lord. Um, we have had no snow this year. No snow. We just got the first couple inches like that has stayed. And it's going to be gone by two years. It's going to be gone. But um, I think it's really going to affect our hatch this year for the ducks and geese. And I could be completely wrong because I'm not a biologist, but the way that I understand it is the years that it's really wet in the spring, like when we have a lot of snow melt or if we get a lot of rain in the spring, mm-hmm. we have really good hatches for ducks yep. and geese especially unless we get like a huge flood. But um, I feel like without all this snow melt, and maybe we'll get a lot of rain in the spring, I don't know. But I think that it's going to be a bad hatch because the ducks will still lay eggs. I just feel like the predators are going to get to them and they're going to destroy nests. Where Whether it's skunks and raccoons getting them in the egg stage or if it's coyotes and cats getting them after they've hatched. I don't know. But what, I just changes, feel like what changes with that with us not having so much snow? What changes? Yeah, the like why are, why are they now more accessible? Just strictly because of water? They're, strictly I mean, they're not water. laying eggs in the water. Well, no, but they'll lay it in like, so for example, like we'll use the meadow. So like the meadow will flood out in the spring when we have a lot of snow. And then you'll find a couple like nests like tucked up on that bank. They'll on crush the that down, mm-hmm. which underneath is water, but they'll crush it down and then lay a nest. Yeah, so yeah. They'll, they'll lay it close to water. Yeah. And then if a predator comes, because those, those birds are smart, they'll just pop right into the water. Mm-hmm. And then they have a better chance of surviving. But if it's dry ground that animal's cooking and they're just like they're able to sneak up on them maybe they can hear them if there's water they're going through the water or they can just get to the water and then there's I can I can definitely see it affecting I think the crucial thing will be is like what does Canada look like I don't and then the Dakotas I mean the Dakotas have been a drought the last couple years but like is Canada wet I saw a map the other day I think it was by Delta was it Ducks Unlimited and it showed that um, parts of Canada are dry Right above us, like in in Manitoba and parts of Saskatchewan, but um, it's wild. It's just gonna depend if we get rain, man. Well, rain and also, I mean, also, let's not count out here. It is February. Yeah. If you recall, like twenty, I looked back at it. Was it twenty seventeen? We got like twenty six inches of snow in March alone. So like, we could end up with. We could get snow in April. We could get snow in April. I have I have a Snapchat saved from a buddy's house where I got stranded for four days in April at his house because we got fucking nine inches of snow. Mm-hmm. So, like, it very well, we could get snow all the way up until April 15th. I wouldn't be shocked. This year, I would not be shocked if we get pounded. The amount of years where we've gotten a two-foot snowstorm in April, it's a lot. It's a lot because it's always right around my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's warm, it's nice, and then all of a sudden, 20, 20 inches. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we get hammered yet. I found um, the... The if map? I'm the map. Let's see it. Uh, Minnesota. So, like, Minnesota. Yeah, I don't dry. know if you can say that. Yep. It's a little dry. The Dakotas are wet, at least. Uh, Manitoba actually looks pretty good. Saskatchewan's pretty dry. It's, Saskatchewan's it's been fair. Saskatchewan's been dry. You know, but what's pretty interesting is uh, over by the Finger Lakes and north of there in Canada, it's excellent conditions for breeding. So, Which is huge. So, you see the mm. darker colors. Mm-hmm, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the lighter colors are fair. Yeah. But which, it, there's not a whole lot of bad. Like, take uh, the win when we can. Yeah. No, it doesn't look awful. I mean, the one good thing has been that I think we've gotten days where it would have snowed, but it rained. You know? Yeah. Like, we it rained. We've gotten rain. rain, dude. Like, we got rain, a bunch of rain around Christmas. We got yeah. rain in January. Like, it's been bizarre as hell, but we've gotten precipitation. It's just not snow. Yeah. Well, I just, in years past where we've gotten a lot of snow and then I go chasing 
uh, spring snows <sighs> out in like South Dakota, you'll just see every cornfield is flooded, yeah. and there are divers upon divers mm-hmm. in those cornfields. There's every species of duck in a cornfield. Remember how like, much water we had last year? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but then it we didn't really have a spring. It just went from winter right. to summer. Right, and then we didn't get any rain last year. No, like none. Had right? one rain day for work. Great to be a roofer. Right no, now. it was a great summer to be a roofer. Last two summers been great being a roofer. I've had like two weather delays. It's great. Love that. <laughs> that's crazy. I know, but I just I wonder how. And every hatch... time it's a hailstorm. I just right. Actually, that's <laughs> real too. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. The two rain delays. Where I'm like, I got to cancel the roof, and then the half the metro gets smoked, and I'm like, fuck yes. Work, 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 work. I'm just interested to see how the hatch goes this year because I think like, the pheasants are gonna love it. I think pheasant hatch can be really yeah, good. We were talking about dude that on Montana. The phone. I've never seen so many pheasants across North Dakota, Montana, than on our coyote trip the other weekend. Like, I was mind blown. Yeah, what you were describing to me, and you should talk about it. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that. I, I in my have lifetime. never. I have, I've hunted South Dakota since I was ten years old. I have never. I won't say where in Montana. We'll, we'll explain it. Explain. So what we're you in, saw. we're in Montana coyote hunting, and uh, for a tournament, and uh, we come around like basically like come out of like a coulee where we were calling at. And I come up to a wheat field, and at, like, distance, I was like, what is all that shit moving? I couldn't figure out what it was. We get close, and we counted 109 pheasants across this field. Well, then we round, like, now we go through this river bottom because we're going to a spot to call fox. And literally every field, 30, 40, 50, 30, 20, 10, 20, 30. It was just never-ending. They were everywhere. You look in the treetops, I'm like, there's 30 in the trees. Like, just so many pheasants everywhere. And I was like, man, I have never seen fields with that. Even in South Dakota, I've never come around like a wheat field and saw a hundred of them. I mean, I've seen hundreds of pheasants on a trip, but never like that. So it's just very interesting to see. I mean, it'll be curious. I mean, they needed a light winter around here, and they got it because like pheasant population on home has been tough. Yeah. And what do you? What do you? Do you know a whole lot about um, pheasants in the spring and like how, like what's a good spring or not for them? Because I'm not super educated. No. But mm, what I've always heard is I believe it's the, dry. The ice storms that we get. Fuck them up. Well, they fuck like, up all birds, right? But like yeah. it, if it especially hurts pheasants for some reason because they're very thin-skinned. Because it's the swing in temperature. Can they not um, dig through ice to get their food or something? No, they can, but it like it coats the feathers and shit, and then like eggs. Like if it freezes the eggs, the eggs are toast. So I'm, I'm interested. That would be for ducks too, though. Yeah, it would be. For, it'd be a cross board for all birds. I'm interested to see how this spring really affects it, just because I've been really watching. Spring, yes, I am having an outlaw. I was going to say, we went from, I love it. It's 10.30 Hey, by the way, <laughs> this <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Outlaw Beer. Well, and get Joey, me one. good enough to have it. You want one too, on bro? Yeah, morning. if it's Just, 10.30, yeah, give go. me one on a Saturday 10.30 morning. 10.30 on a Saturday morning. Jesus Christ. There we go. 10 a.m. Yeah, dude. That's right, man. <laughs> I love it, baby. Unbelievable. I think that's the only cold one we have. Outlaw Beer. <laughs> I think that's the only cold one we have. No, Is there the one in the door? Ah, yes. Thanks, brother. Hey, man, I'm not going to lie, though. Not a lot of beer at 1035 in the morning. God, are we 21 again? Dude, I mean, I wake up every day and think I'm like 18 still. Don't you ever do that? You ever wake no. up and you're like, I don't feel like I'm like, I don't feel like I'm 31. Bro, I get up and I go, I'm like, ah, my knees hurt. And then I get out of bed and it takes me a minute. Um, no, it'll be curious. No, it'll be curious to see how the hatch goes. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I thought the hatch around home this year was really great. So we'll like, see. I'm just, I've really paid attention to it, like, the last 13 years. 
Like, but yet you're not educated on it. No, and it's just every time I think we're gonna have a really good one or a really bad one, I'm wrong. And so, so just do it the opposite of whatever you think's gonna happen. Pretty much, like I thought we were gonna have an unbelievable duck year, but it was the weather that held them up north. I had a good year. I ain't complaining. No, yeah, in in your specific area, but I mean, if you look at the country as a whole, oh yeah, people really didn't start shooting ducks until about January. Yeah. I got we I yeah, I had a great duck year. Geese I did not shoot hardly. Any. I would say it was like second week of January is when people really started hurting ducks. I don't know, because we had a trip planned in December that I didn't end up going on. That they, they fuck, did well. They fucked them up. Really? And like I got a buddy with Elise in Arkansas and he fucked them up. I mean it was kind of tough. I will we, say though, like the other day. I'll just like, shut the fuck up then. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I had a thought in my head and it kind of came out. Good, Cal. <laughs> no, I had to because he's done it like four times already yeah. today. Yeah. So it was time. Go ahead. It was time that you had to. Sorry. Okay. So, oops. Oops. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say <laughs> we did have that oops. said because of the water around here. We did have some hunts we don't normally get to have multiple times. We had no. some really good mallard hunts around home, especially at the meadow. We had nine days in that thing. We like don't normally get. So Yeah, but at the same time. I usually have a couple of spots that I can go to, like that pond, and you'll have four or five really good duck shoots a year. Didn't have a single one on the pond. Well, that's kind of subjective, though, because with a yeah, flooded cornfield exactly. behind you, that's, you and that's, that's the not, hard part, man. Yeah, it's like right. you have that because typically we don't have so much flooding in the fields. But they, they also um, roosted in a spot I've never seen them roost on. Because it was year. flooded, though? No, no, it was in a subdivision. I had never seen them roost there before. They almost always roosted on this one lake. They didn't roost there once. Which that was also because they had that flooded cornfield, though, that was so close to that subdivision, right? No, I think that's subjective, though. I think it depends on the area, though. Because, like, I will say, like, I went to the new my new job, and across the street is a cornfield that literally on Christmas had a thousand mallards in it, and they showed up Christmas Day. Like we were we were stacked. So, I mean, there was definitely that where, like, they held up north. I was just very fortunate. Like, I hardly killed any geese this year, but every time I wanted to hunt ducks, I shot the shit on ducks. Yeah, I did not shoot a lot of geese this year either. I mean, we also hunted mallards, and we hunted ducks way more this year. I hunted ducks more this year. Oh, yeah. I, t- I brought the boat out. I targeted a little bit. You brought the boat out? Oh, yeah, I hunted the boat. How many times did you hunt on the boat this year? Four. <sighs> Five times. Six. 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 Two with you guys and four on my own. So, six times total with the boat. Are you thinking you want to do more of that next year? Um, or after did cans- you, yeah, did buying the boat make you think you don't really need the boat? No. <laughs> buying the boat actually made me probably save money to buy another boat. Right, right. I knew that was going to be your answer, by the way. I just wanted to solidify fuck, gear Fuck guy you mean. Situation. So you said buying the boat saved you money on buying another boat? No, buying the boat made me save money to buy another boat because that boat's too big to go by myself. It means that now that he bought this boat, he wants to buy a newer, nicer You're gonna boat. You're going to get a sneak? I'm gonna get, no, I'm not buying a newer, nicer. I'm buying a sneak. Uh, You're going to sell the big boat? No, I'm going to... Well... You know what's really so cool? Just, I found... Maybe. I did some... Because my birds around here were so bad. Um, I did some some new scouting, and since I've been looking for a home, I've been really looking at like where the ducks are, and uh, a little bit don't west of here. Don't put this shit in the podcast. A little bit west of here, there's so many spots you can only access from a sneak boat. So do I need to edit this out? No, 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 no you're, you're good. good. So many spots. I thought you he was going to say the area. I was be like, shut up. You know, like <laughs> 33 feet from the center line, mm-hmm. as long as you don't touch dry ground, whatever, and then it opens up once you get past a certain point. And it's like, oh no. 
I'm, I think I'm, it's I haven't cool. decided. I'm either going to go with an Ebads Four Rivers, which is a little bit bigger sneak boat. Fuck, you're buying a nice one. Or, yeah, uh, you know me. Yeah. I'm dude. an asshole that way. I really want to get a custom one so I can take, like, my kids out or my wife out and just do, like, a double, like, a double wide, like, a 60-inch so, wide and just. So I want to pick your brain on this. Then we're on the topic of this. Yeah. So I had a, prof- not a professor, but a teacher in high school. You he, told me this story. Yeah, he so runs. Cool. Uh, yeah, but he runs, him and his kids. So, no, the, this is a part of that story, but it'll be funny. You'll like this. So, he runs the old Karsten boats with yep. like a custom made blind. Like a pintail? Yeah, like a pintail. He made, built a bracket to where you can put two of them together. So, when he takes his kid out for the first time, he puts two of them together into basically one boat. He push poles it, whatever, then they get to the spot. But then you're side by side, but you're still two boats. That's cool. So, then once his kids got older, hey, you go off on your own. It's your hunt. He goes on his own. He goes, but like it made sense. He goes, we I built the bracket to put them together, and I was like, honestly, That's I could just cool. I could just go buy like a Mo Marsh Fat Boy and buy two of them down in Missouri for a deal and come home, and then like I have another one if somebody wants to go with me, or I've got one for myself and eventually my kids because I've looked at the county lines. I have. I want one. I am not willing to spend the money on one. Though. What do they cost? I think by the time I got done building one, I think it was like twelve thousand. Oh. What? Brand Oof, new duh. with bilge, lights, motor, trailer, the whole night. I think it was 12.5. If County Line is listening to this, they're like, no, no, you can definitely do one for less. Oh, you could, but I went all out. I went with a 12 foot by 44 wide, like storage shelf, lights inside, lights outside, full electrical panel, bilge, the whole night. Mm-hmm. Galvanized trailer, <laughs> motor. And they're not cheap. What are you putting for a motor on that? On that one, I think I had a copperhead. I oh so surface drive yeah I went with a I uh, no I went with their long tail copperhead I think I'm gonna switch uh, I've got a I bought a sneak boat for like a thousand bucks and uh, it's got this old that I've asked you to help me fix the clutch on have you yeah. the long the long tail yeah it's a long tail oh and like can... the motor fires up instantly it's a good motor but um, it's kind of a pain in the ass and um, Keaton Rowe has a bunch of PPFs um, that's what I'm and doing. I think I'm gonna switch over to jake's ppfs because those things are slick and they're way lighter than mm-hmm. than that deal and it's not 12 feet off the back it's like what six seven seven ish i think no way i'm easier a, to I, control i love a ppf mud motor. jake makes a great product it's great i'm gonna pick up and he's local and he's local he's, and he's, he's a good dude he's good dude good business i mean the guy's very ingenuitive very good builder um i just gotta figure out what i'm gonna buy for a sneak boat i think i'm gonna go with an ebads but i've looked at what's the that gonna again. cost there's a used one right now with a PPF on it in Iowa for five with a trailer and a blind and lights and the whole nine. Mm. Or I can pick up like the Mo Marsh Fat Boy for like two grand. Yeah. So I've thought about the Fat Boy, but then you can't haul as much gear. You can only haul like 100 pounds total on yeah. top of your person and your dog. Because I'm still bringing the dog. The other thing with the EBADs with the mini, you've got a dog spot in the back. How good do you think you'd move around with like a nice trolling motor? Depends on how much weight. Yeah, depends on your weight. Like, just, just a dude, yeah. I mean, like, if you're out there with, like, let's say a dude in gear, you're at, like, 300 pounds of gear, 300 pounds of I bet if you got one of the big, like... You'll go fast, you just have to distribute distribute the weight well. Because I had Riley in my sneak boat, mm-hmm. and she moved to the front, instant water over the front. Like, it was like, whoa, that's not good. It's just all about the weight ratio. Yep, so I had to have her sit with me, and so, like, the front was up. Dude, I was cooking. <laughs> I was cooking. It was, was a trolling motor? It was no, no, no. With that, oh, with the surface. It was drive. like a, it's like a eight horse yeah. or something. Yeah, I can't. It's not very fast. No, but yeah. dude, I was going twelve miles an hour. If a guy wanted to get into it though, on like a budget, 
and wanted to get in quiet, my old teacher swears by push pulling. He only they don't they don't run a motor. He's never ran a motor in yeah. forty years of duck hunting. He only uses the push pull. The only thing that sucks about the push pull is if you're in like intense wind. Yeah. Going into the wind. Then that's it's probably not the best. That's a time. fucking nightmare. Yeah. If you're in the wind, you don't really have to worry about getting in quiet then. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. But then you're also running into is this safe? Yeah, at that point. Up? I know. No, I don't know. We'll see what I end up buying. I'm probably I mean I have a feeling there's going to be a, a crew cab side-by-side and a sneak boat bot before season for myself, personally. Crew cab side-by-side. A yeah. truck. No, what? a side-by-side. No, a side-by-side. Oh. Yeah. Well, a truck maybe. Four-seater side-by-side. Yeah, side I was Four saying, seater. and a truck. Oh, and a truck? No, I don't think I'm going to buy a truck. I haven't okay. decided. The company, the new, new job's got a company vehicle with it, so. You do have a new job. Yeah, you already knew this. Well, I, I don't know. I don't oh, yeah. Yeah, I took the new job, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, but that's that, that comes with the company vehicles. I don't know if I need a pickup quite yet. I haven't decided. But no, I, this can sound like an asshole, but I'm sick and tired of walking into the meadow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sick Dude, and tired yeah, of walking. Dude, yeah, you're going to run a sneak boat? Yeah. No, no, for the side-by-side. Oh. Well, point, I wanna, they I wanna, hold their value pretty good. Yeah. So if you ever want to, you can get rid of it. You I'm looking at a different, a I'm not looking at the one you're probably thinking. I'm looking at an off-brand. An off-brand side-by-side? Yeah, Textron. What? Textron's got a bigger box and a 16 or 14 inch storage seat behind the seat. So you end up with way more storage and way more like utility purpose for either the Havoc or the Stampede. Um, They stopped making them in 2019. So they're a little older, but like you can pick like, I'm looking at one right now that's got heat, uh, full glass doors, rack on the back, tracks and tires for like, it's got like 1400 miles for like 15 grand. Hey, you know... What's a really good question for you, actually, is uh, oh God. you ever heard of the USDA loans? Yeah. Of how you can buy ag land for like zero money down and whatever. Do you know a whole lot about those? Because I've been seeing them across TikTok and like how to buy lots of land and to like there's an incentive from the government to get young it, people into farming, get young people into farming and whatever. Why aren't more people doing that? And why isn't it talked about as much? Because it. The chunk of land you still have to buy is massive because you have to think. So, like, for example, I looked at, and I sent it to the old man the other day as a joke. It was, like, a one point, it was, like, a section in southern Minnesota went for $1.4 million yeah. because it's all guys that have the money to buy it. So, are you still going to leverage $1.4 million? They don't give you any interest, but there's a balloon payment after five years. Okay. There, there are catches to that. So it's not as great of a deal as it's made out to be. No, there's always a catch. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. If I wanted to get into farming and I had the money to get started, I can go to like a, an ag star or a... They'll give you an operating loan for a really good deal because you're young and getting into it. So they'll help you. Um, it's still very hard to get into farming right now. Yeah. We just had this conversation last night with the old man because I have a buddy who's leaving a company he's working at um, he's a lead HVAC tech for a company in town, and he's actually moving to northern Wisconsin. He bought 250 acres and a dairy, and he's going to start a dairy up there, which, like, it's not easy to get into dairy right now. The numbers are good, but, like, a single household dairy farm, like, that's tough. And, like, equipment's so goddamn expensive. And the other problem is a lot of guys our age, like, and this is something that I've gotten caught in, you want what everyone else had. So, like, you see, like, for example, like my family, we farm. We have a very successful farm. We have nice newer equipment. It's not brand new. We've never bought anything brand new, but we've bought good used equipment and taken really good care of it. Now a kid starting out, he goes, well, I need, I need the, the combine they have. They didn't see the 10 years where we ran a combine, piecing it together with bailing wire and just making it work. 
or the fact that we still have the first three tractors that we ever bought or the second Bobcat that my old man ever bought is still used to this day on the farm. It's got like 12,000 hours. We still use that stuff because there are years you don't go by. You're like, ah, let's just make do with this. It's not as nice, but it'll be fine. Too many guys get caught up like, oh, no, I need a brand new tractor. I need this. I want the brand new cab. I need the leather seat. I need all the fanciness. I need the GPS. Yeah. So, So like, (laughs) so for someone like me who wants to have a lot of land and utilize it in so many different ways, right, I would love to have a farm, you know, and I keep seeing this come across my screen, and I'm like, what is the catch? Because I've looked it up online, and I haven't seen too many things about balloon payments. There's generally a balloon payment at some point in it. Sure. Five years seems pretty quick. It's like buying any land. Generally, there's always balloon payments, either five or ten. Sure. It's no different than investment property. If you buy an investment property as a business, it's five to ten years as your balloon payment. Because there's like like raw land loans through the USDA, and then there's also, you can couple it with building a home on on the loan. And then once it gets to a certain point, then you put it towards a conventional loan and I forget the name of it but um you like mix them together and then it's a normal mortgage but it made they everyone's made it sound like there's no there's very low interest and there's no money down I'm like the, the how catch, is that even sometimes there's no money down but there is a catch that sometimes it depends on the area and the location it's no different than when I bought my house at the time the line was driven if you bought on the west side of highway 25 through the county you didn't have to have any money down because it was considered a rural purchase. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I looked at, like, Maple Lake at a foreclosure, I could have picked up a foreclosure with no money down at a lower interest rate than normal. So, like, my interest rate would have been, like, 2-2, two, 2-1, two, two, and no money down. And I would have had the foreclosure. I have to fix it up, but, like, I would have had that. What, would the mortgage payment have been higher? No, it would have been way cheaper because the cost and everything is so low. But they wanted to have someone buy a rural property on three acres that was a foreclosure to get it back on the market and bring the home value back. Because mm. that doesn't area for, you're affects the area. Was at least how my loan my loan guy explained it to me because I didn't understand. I was like, why if I buy on one side of Highway Twenty Five versus the other? He goes, it's the line that's been drawn for the county. Yeah, that that's says rural versus non-rural. Yeah, and that's that was like a that's a different loan type that you're talking about. Yeah, so you could get. If there's if you're buying like a a home that's technically considered in a rural area, yeah, it, there's they they make the line and it's a government loan, you know, essentially that you have zero percent down because you're buying in a rural area. So they're trying to reinvigorate people buying and moving to these areas that aren't so populated. So I, the state doesn't just become one fucking you know bundle of people in all Minneapolis. So there's like grants for that, right? And the only thing with that, though, was if you did that, then, um, well, there, that's actually, there's two different programs. There was another program where they would give you the money for the down payment, mm-hmm. but then when you sell the house, you have to pay a percentage back. Yeah, I've seen that one, too. I think that so, was even more rural I was just yet. talking about that with Roy last night. I was like, it's either a capital gains thing, like when you sell the property. So, like, say you buy 60 acres for 500 grand. Right, and it's a very low mortgage payment, and then you build a home on it for three hundred grand, right? But your your mortgage payment is still like normal, like it's it's not seven grand a month. It is thirty three hundred dollars a month or twenty eight hundred dollars a month. Well, it's an eight hundred thousand so, dollar mortgage, right? And so, like, why is it twenty eight hundred instead of seven grand a month? You know, like it should be if it's at eight hundred k at whatever percent. 
Because that's what it appraises at. And so it's actually that, like that's not what your loan's on. So that makes sense that you pay a percentage back yeah. of that thing. That's why I was like, what's the catch? The hard part is too, generally if you buy raw land, they won't give you a 30 year note. Right. Even if you're gonna right. like when I because when I was looking at buying, the original plan that I wanted to do was we had a family friend gonna sell fifty acres yeah. and I wanted to buy the fifty and then live at home for a couple of years. And then build a house, like a shouse on it, and build like my forever shouse. Yeah. And then we started digging into it. And it was like, I only get a fifteen year loan on loan on the land, and then my construction loan I get. But then at the end, to tie it all in, I have to pay for closing a third time. And I was like, I really don't want to have to have an extra twenty, thirty grand laying around to pay for closing each time. Like that just bites me. Right. Now, it is what it is, but. Well, it's the other thing you have to look at though too, Joe, is a lot of land that's for sale. I don't know if it's so much in Minnesota, but I've noticed I've noticed it in North Dakota and a few places out by like uh, Benson. Farmers will get it and they'll put it in like an exemption with the state, where then you can't do anything with the land for life. Yeah, but then they'll still sell it to you for hunting. So like I looked at a piece the other day with a buddy of mine, and I was looking at buying. It was like forty acres of like you're talking about like easements. No, it's not considered an easement. So what this was, was this was a low, it was just north of Benson. It's a, it's a lake in the center. And then on the edges, it's a marsh area. And then it kind of fingers out, but it was 40 total acres. And my buddy and I were going to split it. Well, all that land is put into a deal with the DNR in the state. I can't do anything to it. I can't drive on it. You can't, I can't, I can't drive on it. I can't build a house on it. I can't put any, like, I can't do any dirt work to the whole thing. It has to stay completely natural. So now that farmer got a huge tax break in credit and he gets to make the money off selling it to me for a premium dollar because I want to hunt on it. But I can't do a damn thing with it. And you can't get it out of the program once it's in it. Yeah. There for life. So you got to be careful because like there are a lot of pieces in North Dakota that I've looked at where I'm like, oh, like mm-hmm. I could buy 80, I could buy 80, 120 acres, have a hunting piece and I could buy an acre across the road and build a house. And then it's like, oh, actually everything around this is put in this egg exemption. I can't build a house anywhere near yeah. it. Like, well, fuck that then. I don't want to seen that a bunch in North Cal Dakota. Cal and I were <laughs> looking at a place in Ortonville mm-hmm. and it was, remember that house mm-hmm. that was like falling down yep. and I went and talked to him. Oh, I remember uh, you telling me about this. Went and talked to him and he said that he owned like four to 800 acres and like 65 to 75% of it is exempt. So like the only thing he can do on it is run cattle. Yep. That's it. You can't build on it. You can't. can, you can drive on it, but it's you can't never, cultivate it. never buildable, never cultivatable. You can't plant crop on it. You natural, can't do it. natural grassland. Right. And I'm like, damn, that's so weird. And he's like, it saved me so much money in the nineties. They He's gave like, that's they the gave, only way I could afford the land. They and gave like, huge pro bono deals and huge rebates back then. And I mean and and all the DNR officers in the area know and they go in and they check on the land and they do whatever whatever and they can just go on his property at any point in time to check on whatever and I'm like I don't know if I like that. Well, that's like the piece I hunt around home that I brought you to mm-hmm. on a specific lake. Um his is in an exempt in an, in an exempt exemptment with Pheasants forever. He can never, he can't mow it. He can't do nothing. He can drive on it. But like Pheasants forever has to sign off on doing it. His is only on like a 20 year deal though. But like for the life of that man, like that'll be the deal. Interesting. It's interesting. No, I mean, that's the hard part. Like my old man and I were talking about last night, like buying land as a young person right now is very difficult. Yeah. I, 
it just seems like impossible. It seems it's impossible not impossible to buy it's, land it's, unless you have like a benefactor of well, some the, sort. The or thing, a lot of money. Yeah. The other thing like I think about is like what's important to you? So like for the example I use is like so like my dad's dad bought eighty acres and a house and a shed for hunting. But then he drove a like seventies piece of shit car for the next forty years. He didn't like up until two thousand four, he drove the same crappy car every day, everywhere and never had anything nice. Never took a vacation because all of the money went to the 80 acres and owning the 80 acres. That's what mattered to him. So it all depends what you want. Me, I like driving a nice new truck and I like doing trips and I like having hunting gear. Now, if I gave up the trucks and the hunting gear and all that, I probably could go buy 120 acres somewhere and afford it. But I have I will, to give up all that other shit. I will say two things on this. I mean, we're going to be, it'd be stupid of us to say or neglect that like, the price of land with inflation right now and the price of homes and all that stuff is far beyond what our parents paid for it, first yeah. off. Second off, I do think there is a little bit of an element that, like, we're still pretty young. And so I think right now, you need to, it's not like you want to have low standards, but a lot of our parents, they, they kind of had to work and they weren't, like, living in their dream house when we were growing up. Or they weren't, you know what I mean? They didn't have, like, all the land and all that stuff when they were 30. Right. A lot of that happened when my parents turned, you know, went into their 40s, late 40s, early 50s. You know, that's when you start to have that that break over where, you know, you're kind of getting done paying with, you know, paying for kids and all that stuff. And you're starting to have more disposable income. And then now you have more of that land, more ability to buy some of that stuff that you just couldn't afford when you're, you know, 30, starting a family doing that. So there is a little bit of like you know, two ends to the spectrum on it too. It's definitely different for me because like we've always had land. Yeah, like exactly. We, like and that's, the old man yeah. bought the farm at 21. Like at 21, yeah. he bought a farm, 160 acres. And you also grew up out here, you know? Yeah, I didn't and grow so up like, in the city at all. Yeah. Like I never. What year was that? When he was 21. How old was he? Born in 54, so 75. 74, 75. 75. Yeah. In Albertville back then. Yeah, but you got to think, the old man made $1,900 in the year, the year he bought the farm. Yeah. So the year he bought the farm, he made $1,907 for the year. There are guys I know that make that in a week now. Mm-hmm. I know guys that make that in a day. Oh, yeah. I just it's, meant like, yeah. I meant like working skiffs. There are guys that like, I know electricians making two grand a week. That I man just, made that in a full fiscal year. So like it, it, it is different. Don't get me wrong. But also like the dollar amount he paid. But like, also I think one thing that doesn't get taken into account, like the sacrifices they made. The old man didn't go out to eat for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we joke, yeah. they went out for their anniversary. My grandma still brings this up. For the first 15 years of their marriage, the only out to eat they ever made, fast food, dinners, anything, was their anniversary for the first 15 years. I go out to eat four nights a week. Easy. I meet friends for drinks, lunch, dinner, whatever. The old man ate a cold ham sandwich in a water every day. For yeah. 15 years. Yeah, we, we have much more normalized, like, having nice things. You know, having newer vehicles, going out to eat, doing more stuff, going on vacation, you know? I mean, like, yeah, growing up, the first, like, out of country or, like, you're going somewhere cool for vacation that I had was when I was 10. And then I didn't go again until I was 17. The old man still never left the country. He's never been out of the country. Yeah. So what would you guys rather do? Would you rather have the consistent lifestyle of what's modern today or would you rather have what they did back in the day back in the day you'd rather have back in the day all day 
what do you mean? I guess what what's the so modern like th- eating, stuff that you're talking eating about? Eating out four times oh. a week and whatever, like not penny pinching. Um, whereas they said, "This is what I'm doing, and I'm going to commit to this. I make this much money, and I yeah. I can't afford to eat out for the next ten years." I personally, and this is different for everybody, you know. Well, that's like why everyone I asked has. You. Yeah. I personally think that, you know, for me, it's a balance. You know, like I think that I do think that there's a lot of. I talk to a lot of boomers and a lot of people that are, you know, from an older generation that like, I'm not saying this to be a dick, but they're just like crabbier in general, man. You know? And I think that a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of like my parents age people, our parents age people, I think they deprive themselves of a lot of those things because they're working towards, you know, having the land paid off or having this or having that. And then you get there and then you're still fucking, it's the same shit, different day. You oh. know, you just don't have a loan on it anymore. And I'm not saying that it's not good to want to do all that stuff. And if someone wants that, that's great. But for me, it's about a balance. Like, I don't care if I live in the biggest house. You clearly know I don't give a shit about driving a nice truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucker has that air like, in three years. I want to I wanna have I want to have fun. You know what I mean? Like, I want to enjoy my life, too. You now, enjoy traveling. Yeah, I don't. I don't need. Cal enjoys really good food. Oh, I dude, do. he's a foodie, and I love that about him. I love it because he expands my horizons for me, and I don't have to do it. He makes yeah, me like. I mean, fin- it. finish your story. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't. I don't necessarily like. I value having freedom financially more than I value anything else, and so for me, it's it's a balance. I'd rather live in a smaller house, be able to do the things that I want to do, um, and you know, but I don't. I don't want to live in a tiny house. Yeah, I I agree with your thought process on balance, but this is also why I've been self-employed since I graduated high school, is so that if I want something, I just go work a little bit harder, and then I can have it, you know? Yeah. Like, if I want to take Roya out on a nice vacation, I'll just work harder for that month, and I'll make sure that I make more money so that I can take that vacation, whereas if you are on a salary and you want stability for your family, you are capped at 60 k a year, doesn't matter how hard you work, you're not going to make more money on a salary. Well, that and see, that's the thing. So, like, that that's your mentality. That mentality to a lot of people is probably wrong. I mean, it's you're making 60K right now. But if you climb a corporate ladder and you are working hard, you're still making 60K this year. But, but, but over that, time, but you're going to make then, more money. Even but back, back then, then, you go... Even back then, you could yeah. climb. Sure, so, but, like, I know think guy, about I know 90, the guy that... Think about ninety percent of America. Ninety nine percent of America, people are stuck in their position, but that's and they're a choice. Not, they're not really going anywhere else. That's a choice. Yeah, and I just, I just don't agree with you. I have a lot of friends that work in the corporate in, world. In that your, in your group of people, but you have to think of everyone else in the nation. I was just talking to my buddy who owns a construction company. So many people want to be W two right now versus being an independent because of stability. And he said, you could make three hundred grand a year. If you work your ass off, but that 300K is not guaranteed. Yeah. And so people are picking 60K, 80K a year because they are guaranteed that, and then they are setting their life based on that. Hold on. That's very skewed, though, because then, like, you know firsthand that you don't, you can work your ass off and still get fucked as a, 10, as a 1099 individual. Of course you So can. that's what I'm saying. But, like, the years, like, we're going to use this, for example. One of the years you got fucked, I didn't, and I made stupid money as an employee. Because of overtime. Look, sure. I've, I've... So that's sure. what I'm saying. Like, you can still get hosed, and things can go wrong. You can have a crash, a vehicle go down, you can get in an accident, you can get hurt. There are other reasons people pick stability. My thing is, is there is a balance. And, like, 
if you're, and the other thing is most people are stuck in what they want because they choose to be. There, I'll use this for example, Fane's in town, the same 10 guys started, one guy now runs all operations, but you want to know who worked the overtime, worked the extra, did all the extra when called upon? That guy. So who gets the promotion? The guy that does the extra. So him being an employee, yeah, he had stability for the family, but now that guy's got two hunting pro- or a cabin and the hunting property and a great house, and he's working the cushy job in his 50s, and his kids now work there and bust their ass because sure, they saw his think, dad do it. Do you think 90% of America is doing that? I think 90% of America is complacent. That's the problem. Correct. That's why winners Correct. win. And it right. won't matter. And it won't matter if they're doing W-2 job or if they're working well, as I'm 10 just that's, I just assess my uh, situation, and, I, and I'm like, okay, I can make more money doing this. Here's the thing though, Joey. Like, there's a lot of jobs though where it's you're not. It's not a W two situation. You know, it's not a 1099 situation. In construction, like if, it can be for right. sure. But there's a lot of guys that go to college for like financial management. Dudes that go to college for but even bioengineering. You know, medical stuff. Like, if you're going to be a doctor or anything like that. Like, bro, you, you're going to work at a place. You know what I mean? But and, even and cons- you're going to make more and more and more money. The other thing is, there's a lot of statistics that break down. I don't know if you've seen any of these studies, but like people that are 1099 or work for themselves and then having like big years and then having down years mm-hmm. and over a 10 year cycle, people that are winners in a corporate setting that get promoted over and over and over again can make more money than you in 10 years, even if you crush it for half of those years because of their stability. There's a lot so of variables to that. I know. Yeah. I know there is. I'm just saying though, like, that's just your opinion, and it works for you, man. Right. For That's sure. My opinion. You're, you're a standout. The other thing that I think you take into account or miss is you've worked in one industry that is 1099. There isn't a 1099 electrician on the planet. You either own your own business gonna, or you're an employee. I'm going to say this, man, and this is true for everything that whatever, whatever everyone said here. When you meet somebody, they're either a winner or they're not, and they fucking choose it. 100%. You choose to be a winner or you choose to not be a winner. You either wake up and you can do the job and you're going to succeed and you're going to make money and you're going to grow or you're going to whatever, or you're not. And it's your choice. It's up to you. I can tell you I started at like a daily, for example. I started with 10 kids. You know how many kids are still there when I left? Three of us. Seven of those kids failed out and went and chose, oh, I'm going to go be a maintenance guy for the college in town and make 55 grand a year. And I'm home every day at one o'clock so I can go to the bar. And you know what I did? Hey, you got the overtime? I'll work Friday night overnight. I'll work a double on Saturday. I will grind you all day. I will just keep grinding. Keep yeah. going. Big you want me to learn more? Guy. Big grinder guy. 100%. I just work harder. Funny that three of us in this room are that way. But you, you, who you associate with matters too. Because like, I don't hang out with kids that I think are going to be losers. Mm-hmm. I don't. If I show up and I'm like, man, this dude just ain't about it. Like, it's not someone I want to hang out with. I don't want to have to believe in you more than you believe in you. If that's yeah, a my problem. dad always told me, he's like, I, you shouldn't hang out with those kids because they smoke too much pot. You shouldn't hang out with those kids because <laughs> that's they, probably true though because they drink too much. Joe, you don't smoke pot. You don't drink too much. But if you hang around those people too much, you will start doing that. Birds of a feather flock together, and it's 100 percent true, man. If you if you surround yourself with people that complain about their life all the time, you are going to start complaining about your life, you know, because you fit in by, oh, they're complaining. I'm going to complain about my life, and we're all going to associate with complaining. But if you go with people that are like, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that. I love that quote where it says, um, successful people talk about ideas. Average people talk about people. 
and um, shitty people talk about fuck. It's I know what you're I know what you're trying to um, say. I should just pull it up so we don't butcher it. On my phone screen, it says, "If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room." <laughs> Correct. It's true. I love to surround myself with dudes that I think are better than me in multiple ways mm-hmm. because I can learn. I've learned on my job. I took a career change, and you've taught me plenty in it. So it's it's Eleanor Fuck. Roosevelt. Great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about events, and small minds talk about people. Yep. Yeah. So, and I've and I um, like my wife is incredible. She's so intelligent. She's honestly one of the most intelligent people in the world. But if you really start thinking about your situation, um, you will just find yourself complaining. Like if you if you have a negative mindset about something you will be like, this is what's wrong. And instead, you should be thinking about what's right and how can it be better? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make it better? And your mindset, the way that you go about things, and even your efficiency will just go skyrocketing. Oh, yeah. Your situation is whatever you think it is. Exactly. I can tell you that without a fucking shadow of a doubt, man. <laughs> right. You've been on both sides of that. 100%. Successful and broke. <laughs> Dude, the thing is, though, is in reality, like, if you think your life sucks, it sucks. It does. And everybody could do it. Rich people, poor people, doesn't and, matter what it is. I mean, if you think it sucks, it sucks. And the this big is now thing, a motivational podcast. I know. God, I we know. Were, we, we haven't talked about this. any hunting. We literally have to end this podcast so soon. We haven't talked about any hunting. But Cal's got shit to do, bro. He I does. Do, we dude. gotta go. All right. All right. A little outro music, Carter. Oh, wait. Hey, one more thing. 